I want you to look at the most obscure phrase, the most obscure sentence in the first three chapters of the Bible. What do I mean obscure? Completely out of place. Doesn't make sense that it's here. It's really awkward. In fact, when we look at this sentence that we're about to read, people that don't love Jesus, that don't believe the Bible, they say that it wasn't even included in Moses' original writing. They say that somebody just inserted it after the fact. Of course, we don't believe that. We believe that the word of God as it is delivered is God's writ. That is exactly what he intends for us to have. And so when we look at this phrase, this obscure sentence, we're going to see that there's something tremendously special about it. But I don't want to ignore the obscurity. I want that to be an opportunity for us to learn, and especially on Mother's Day. Because the obscurity gives us opportunity to really understand how God perceives us, how God thinks about moms, and understand the nature of who Eve was. And so look with me at Genesis chapter 3. I want you to think about the overarching context of this phrase. I'll show you what the phrase is here in a second. But look at Genesis 3. Just let your eyes skim over it. You see Adam and Eve. They're in the garden. Eve is tempted. Adam is tempted. They both make a terrible choice and they eat of the fruit. And you see there in verse 8, God starts to be the inquisitor and he starts to ask questions. And as it comes out, God already knew this information, but as it comes out, Eve had sinned. Adam had sinned. And Satan was the one that was drawing them away. And so you start to see from this point all the way down to verse 19, you start to see the judgment of God. Scary judgment about pain and suffering. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere... You see this phrase from Adam in verse 20. It says, verse 20, The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. This is weird that this is here. Look at verse 19. Judgment. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread until you turn to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for your dust and the dust shall you return. Look at verse 21. And the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skins and clothed them. So here you have this word, the stuff about dust, verse 19. You have this, this commentary of God, of his judgment on man. You have verse, verse 21, you have God's new fashion items that he's providing for Adam and Eve. And in between that, you have Adam naming Eve. This is awkward. It's, it's just weird that this is here. Especially when you look over this chapter. You look over this chapter and you see, you see this, this, the fall of man into sin. And every day you and I deal with all of the consequences from that. We look at the brokenness that's present and it's, and it's painful and there's real suffering. Okay, You see all that? You see God covering up their sin. God fixing the, the situation. They tried to sew together leaves in order to make a covering for themselves. And instead, God slays animals and provides for them a covering that, that mirrors the covering that Jesus is going to provide. A true covering that we receive through his atonement. And so you see these things happening. And right in the middle, you have Adam talking about Eve being the mother of all living. Awkward. This is weird. Okay? Okay, so this is very, very awkward. Uh, when we look at this passage, it is tremendously obscure. 
And when we look at the context text of, of, of sin and then of judgment, and then you see our text, it really starts to, to put us in a situation where we ask the question, why would God put this here? Why would God, in all of his sovereignty, in all of the beauty of his word, and the very fact that every word, the very tenses of the words are inspired, the, 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 whether a word is single or plural is inspired. All of this is from God. God made the choice to put this sentence right here in such an awkward spot. Why? What does this show? Well, this passage shows three unique motherly gifts. And it was necessary for Eve to have this information. It's necessary for us to see this in this particular context. God wanted it to be here. And so let's look at these three unique motherly gifts. When we look at this sentence, we see that the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Those three gifts are present there. Here's, here's the first one. We see potential. God gives the gift of potential. He also gives to Eve the gift of nurture her ability to nurture. And then finally, God gives grace. And so let's, let's take a look at these things. I'll be brief today, uh, uh, but I definitely want to spend some time looking at Eve and, and examining what God teaches us through this passage. So let's look, first of all, at potential. This passage shows potential. God uniquely gifted Eve with motherly potential. Now, this is especially evident when we look at the timing of this verse. Remember what the verse says You see, you look at the verse and it says, the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. What's weird about that? She's not had any kids yet. I mean, you don't, Cain and Abel aren't on the scene. I mean, they might be a twinkle in Adam's eye, but I mean, that's it. There's nothing else. There's no kids here, right? But, but, but Adam is, is recorded in this text as giving this name to his wife. Uh, And it shows that there was tremendous potential. One would expect really, though, that this name declaration would come either when Adam first saw Eve or when Eve first had her children. That would be the appropriate timing for this. But instead, you see it right in between uh, the fall of man and and God providing for their sin. So God, uh, we would think really that when God made Eve, that Adam would have named her this. Why? Well, because God had told Adam that this is going to be the helper. And God had at least let Adam know enough about his plan to let him know what was going on. And Adam was to be expecting this corresponding one. And and certainly there would have been information that would have been communicated about what was the nature of this corresponding one. Adam should have expected that this was going to be the mother of all living. So when God made Eve, Adam could have named her Eve at that point in time. We don't find that here in the text. You would also think that this would happen when she had her first child because it wouldn't be so obscure at that point in time. You know, Adam sees his wife have a child, and he realizes that God is going to bring every child through this woman, and so he would have given her the name at that moment in time. But instead, we see this name declaration at a very odd moment. And what this shows us is that God sees potential in Eve. He sees tremendous potential in her. He records Adam's name for her before she ever had kids. That is, that is the essence of potential. No kids yet but she's the mother of all living. And God gave the command to the couple. If you look back at Genesis chapter 1 and verse 126, God gives this command to be fruitful and multiply. 
And, and that was a command that was given to both of them. And Adam would have had to think through the process of what God means here. Be fruitful and multiply. What is God talking about? He's talking about bringing forth children. And of course, Eve is an essential component to the obedience there. And even after the judgment is recorded, as you're looking through uh, verses 8 to 19 in this chapter, we see that God looks at the future potential of Eve, even in the midst of the judgment. He's talking about childbirth and how, how painful it's now going to be. Yet Eve had not yet had any children. There's potential that's there. There's something that's going to happen later on. Now listen, ladies, God has gifted you with potential. He has given you tremendous potential. Oftentimes we make an assessment of our lives. We look at, at our lives and we think that we are not up to snuff because we haven't accomplished our list of goals. And if you're a, you're a type A kind of personality and you make these lists or you have a five-year plan or a three-year plan and you're looking ahead and you think, uh, you know, I want these things to happen. Or maybe you're a, a fly-by-the-see-your-pants kind of girl and, and you just have some, some general out, generalities of what, what you want to see happen with your life. And you think, you know what, I really want to have my house together. Or I really want to have a career. Or I want to have children in, in obedience. Or I want to have a husband or, or whatever the circumstance may be. When we make an assessment of ourselves... Oftentimes we feel like second-class citizens because we haven't accomplished those things. I don't have my house together. I, I, my kids aren't in perfect obedience. I, I, I don't have a husband. I don't have a career. I don't, I don't have uh, children. And the list goes on. And yet what we see here is that God is including this description at a moment where Eve would have felt that she had the least amount of potential. You think about where Eve was? She blew it. Now, Adam did too, and you know that I'm pretty hard on men, and so I'm not just blaming it on women, but Eve blew it. She sinned against every law there was. There was only one. And she broke it. Eve blew it. And so if she was sitting here with it, making an assessment of her life, you know how she would have felt? She would have felt like she was a screw-up. She would have felt like, they, like she can't do anything right. She would have felt like, I, I cannot believe I did that. I cannot believe I wasn't able to accomplish my goals. I, I am worthless. I can't, I can't do this stuff. And this verse, along with verse... Uh, chapter 1, verse 26 and 3.16 shows that God looked at Eve with all of her future potential in mind. He's not looking at her as if she was, you know, the, the, the scene of some bomb that just exploded. He is looking at her with all of the future potential that she still possesses. God records Adam as giving this name right here. And he does it the exact same thing to us. He looks at us with potential. Ladies, he looks at you with potential. When, when you, your life might be a mess right now. Your marriage might be a mess right now. Your, your relationship with your kids might be a mess. Your walk with God, your job, your home, your finances, it might be all screwed up. Everything might be a complete mess. But that is not the end of your story. That's, that's not it. God's not done. God looks at you and he wants you to know that you have potential. And God sees what he wants you to become. He sees all the deep and encouraging opportunity of your potential. 
He sees that in you. Take joy in that. Rejoice in the fact that God is not done with you. That today is not the end of your life. That at this very moment, there is opportunity for you to do something else. Just like with Eve, there was opportunity for her to do something else. The end of her life was not the eating of the fruit. There was more. There was potential. Your story's not over today. So as we look at this, I think it makes us walk away understanding that every woman really needs to make use of their potential. But not just in some kind of self-help kind of way, like I'm going to find my inner strength and I'm going to make the best of myself and be an awesome woman. Well, I want you to be all those things, but in the end, the ultimate goal of the potential that you have is the glory of your Father. So make use of the potential that God has gifted you with for his glory. All that God has poured into you, use it up for him. Give yourself to him. Uh, serve him with all of your life. When we sing that song, make me a servant, let that be your prayer. Give yourself to the Lord. Don't be shut in by today's failure. Don't be stopped by your track record. Realize that God sees you with all of your future potential and that he is invested in seeing you do great things for his glory. That's what God wants for you. You realize that he is for you? He wants good things for you? That he's your father and he loves you and he cares for you. And that when he looks at you, he sees potential. God wants to do great things. Give yourself to him. Take the gift of your potential and make use of it for God's glory. This passage shows something else. It shows nurture. It's tremendously interesting that Adam named his wife Eve because he recognized the special place that she held. You see, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't that naming Eve made any changes in her. It wasn't that once Adam made the declaration, you're going to be the mother of all living, that all of a sudden there was, going, there was some kind of change in her, that there was, there was an ontological difference in her because of the naming. Adam was not changing her at all. Adam wasn't changing her position. Adam wasn't changing God's plan for her. Adam was simply recognizing what God had made Eve to be. God made Eve to be the mother of all living. That was her destiny. That was God's plan for her. That was what God wanted her to do. And so uh, all of these motherly capacities existed as a result of God's good creation. Adam was merely recognizing God's work. But what was that work? Well, God uniquely gifted Eve with motherly nurture. This is a special gift. Let's not, let's not gloss over this. This is really, really important. Guys, you need to recognize that we ain't got it, okay? Like, as much as you might, I was rocking, uh, Krista had gone out. I had all five boys, and I think I had gotten everybody to bed with the exception of Hudson, and I'm, I'm rocking him, and I was doing something else, like mowing the lawn at the same time. And, uh, you know, who knows what I was doing. I, I was messing around, and, I, I, and he's crying, and I, I, I can't fix this. I mean, I, I stick the pacifier in his mouth. I mean, I cannot satisfy this kid. I physically do not have the ability to nurture him in all the practical ways that he needed to be nurtured at that time. The kids fall down. They scrape themselves. And I'm kind of like, oh, seriously? I mean, you, I don't see any bones sticking out of your flesh. You're okay. Krista has a completely different disposition because she's got a nurturing spirit. Not only is she physically capable, she's also emotionally capable in all the ways that I am not. I don't got it. God has blessed her with those gifts. She has that nurturing capacity. 
And so God uniquely gifted Eve with motherly nurture. Two ways. First of all, in a physical way. This has to do with anatomy, okay? God has made her so that she could be the mother of all living. I cannot be the mother of all living. Adam could not be the mother of all living. Only Eve could, because God made her that way. He made her with all of that capacity. God made Eve so that she could be the mother of all living. He has enabled her to have the joy of being pregnant. Krista loves to be pregnant. We were just talking about this yesterday, uh, and uh, we, she, she was talking to a lady that we met on the uh, Swamp Rabbit Trail, and a friend of hers from college, and, and uh, Krista made the comment that she really enjoys being pregnant, and this girl was like, yeah, I really enjoy it too, and, and it's just so interesting, because during all that time, I was especially jealous when, I, uh, when we had Boston, uh, because she has this intimate and close nurturing connection with this child that I have never seen. And the instant he is born, she has a connection with him that I have to work to get. Why? Because she has literally been nurturing this child for nine months. I mean, I can yell at it or, you know, speak softly at it or knock on the belly or do whatever, but I can't, I mean, I, there's no connection here. And, and I, I remember when Boston was born, I had to pray, God, give me grace to build a relationship with this child. Help me to... to to have this close connection. Help me to have what Krista has. Because she's got something that I don't have. It's really interesting. God made her for that. God made women so that they can have that nurturing connection and provision for children. And it's a gift from God. He has enabled, ladies, he's enabled you to literally nurture a child until they're born. That's amazing. Praise God that babies don't come from storks. And by the way, guys, if you didn't know that, they don't come from storks. Like the stork doesn't bring a bundle and bring it to your house and you get it. It's, it's a pretty interesting process how babies come. You, I just want to let you know, Joey, so you, get, you know what's going on here. So, so, so that's not how it happens. Josh, you got that? Uh, so, okay, so good. So, uh, so you need to understand it doesn't come from the storks. Bottom line is God provides women the opportunity to nurture that baby until they're born. And, uh, and he's also enabled Eve to physically nurture a child until they can eat solid foods. Well, this might sound weird that I'm talking about this in a sermon, but listen, that's a gift from God. How amazing is it that a child can survive on milk for a year? What? This is crazy. I mean, if we were to make stuff up, we wouldn't make that up, right? Like, that wouldn't be the thing that we would make up. We would think of something else, but not that, right? This is really weird. It's, it's really startling when you think about your child and you think, they don't eat any food. None. Like, they don't, they don't want steak. They don't want Pop-Tarts. You know, they're, they're, I mean, they're not going vegan. Like, they're, they're nothing, right? They don't eat any food at all. They just have milk. This is amazing. Praise God that he has made this so. And women, when they get to have that opportunity to be close with their child, they get to nurture them in a way that men will ever be able to nurture. And it's an amazing thing, an amazing relationship, an amazing closeness that women get to have with their children. Praise God for moms. Praise God for that. Thank you, God, for giving us moms. And so this is not only a physical nurturing, but it's also a personal nurturing. It has to do with emotional capabilities. Now, I'm going to make a generality and then make a logical conclusion from this. Basically, women are really good at this. Whether you look in our culture, you look in other cultures, you look through history, you find that women are really good at being nurturing. 
I wonder where they got that from. Well, God looked at Adam, and he knew before he even made Adam that Adam wouldn't be complete in and of himself. That's why Genesis 1.26 says he made them in the image of God, man and woman. And so together they are able to portray the image of God. Together they are to image forth God's nature. And there are components within the man that are, 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 are part of God's image. And there are components within the woman that are part of God's image. And together they image forth God's nature. What has the woman got? She's got that nurturing personality. She's got the ability to look at a child and have mercy and sympathy and kindness in her heart. And it's not that men can't have that. It's just that women are really, really good at it. Just, just really good at it. And, and, God, and so God has given this to Eve. And, and it's a specialized gift from God. I, I truly believe that the nurturing personality of woman is a demonstration of God's common grace. Imagine where we would be without that. Imagine how hard it would be to grow up without a nurturing mother. Imagine if the world over had no nurturing mothers. What kind of world we would have? It would be terrible. God is given grace by giving that nurturing disposition to woman. And praise the Lord for that. Thank God that he's made that possible. Imagine where we would be without that nurturing disposition. It would be terrible. So God has not only made Eve this way. Women, God has made you like this. He's given you this nurturing opportunity. He's given you this gift. That nurturing physical ability and the nurturing personal ability has been built into you as a woman. It's who you are. It's how God has made you. And so he has chosen to make you a woman in his sovereign plan. Chose me to make me a man. I didn't have a choice about that. I didn't have a choice about me having black hair and a big nose and being born in a white family. I didn't have any choice about that. Just like you didn't have a choice about whether or not you're a man or a woman. I don't have a choice about my stuff. You don't have a choice about your stuff. The bottom line is this is what God wanted you to be. He's made you to be a woman. And because you're a woman, you have been gifted with these special and unique abilities. The ability to be nurturing. And so let me please encourage you to make use of your ability to nurture for God's glory. Use that for God's sake. Not just because you want to have a nice home. Because you know what? You can want to have a nice home and it can be an act of covetousness. Not just because you want to have things operating in a certain way. Or you want to, to, to give the air of kindness. Make use of that nurturing disposition for God. For his glory. For his pleasure. And for his fame. So ladies, you have these abilities that men just do not have. Make use of those things. Not just because you want to, but because it's, or because it's how you're wired, but make use of these things for God's glory. Use your nurturing dis disposition to be a blessing to others for God's sake. Be caring, be loving, be encouraging, be uplifting, be merciful. God has built you with this. Serve him with these abilities. Make use of your nurturing physical abilities for God's glory. I can't, I can't skip over the obvious here. Listen, God has made women to have children. Okay, now I'm not saying that that's the only use of a woman or that women should be objectified by any means. But the bottom line is if women do not make the choice to have children, there won't be children. Like It's that simple. Okay, so, so when God gives us the command, be fruitful and multiply, they're, they're, it takes two to tango there, right? The man has to make a choice and the woman has to make a choice. And without the mutual consent of both, it's not going to happen. 
And so God has given you the ability to be nurturing that way. And God wants you to make use of these physical gifts for his glory, to serve him, to bring on generations of people that, that want to uh, serve him and walk after him. So don't selfishly disobey God's command to be fruitful and multiply. Now, you know, if you, if you, there were not generation upon generation of women who knowingly or unknowingly obeyed God's command here, you wouldn't be here and I wouldn't be speaking to you. So praise God for moms and for grandmothers, and for great-grandmothers. Because apart from that, you ain't here, right? And so I'm not a chauvinist. I I need you to understand that. I don't have a problem with women working. I'm not saying that women need to stay at home and be barefoot and pregnant. That's not at all what I'm saying. I I, I work with women. Uh, I have hired women, and they have been tremendous in the office place. I've worked for women, and they've been great bosses. And I don't have any problem with women working. That's not at all what I'm saying. And I'm not saying that women need to have, be pregnant and now, and they need to, to, need to have, start having children now, because it might not be now. It might be at some future time that God wants you to, to have children. What I'm really talking about is the disposition that says never. I'm never going to have kids. That's not what God wants us to say. It's not what God wants men to say. It's not what God wants women to say. He wants us to be submitted to him. The bottom line is if women don't have kids, there won't be kids that makes sense? It's pretty, pretty clear, right? Uh, and, and, and God wants there to be children because God loves profusion. He loves manys. He loves manys upon manys, and he wants us to populate the earth. That's why he told us to be fruitful and multiply. That's his will for us. And so that's why he gave us that command. And it might not be for you right now, but God is not, and so God is not pleased with an attitude that says never, but waiting is not a wrong thing. And so God gives women the ability to be nurturing in a physical way and in a personal way. But finally, God gives grace. Eve just royally screwed up. I mean, life is totally jacked now. Like, everything is, everything is messed up. Her relationship with God. Her understanding of who she even is. Her relationship with her spouse, her relationship to work, her relationship to physical things around her, her relationship to nature, all of this is messed up. And so Eve is is hearing these judgments of God. And if she was to look at the record here, she would see that God is pouring out judgment upon judgment upon judgment because of the choices that she and her husband made. And then all of a sudden you see this phrase. Adam looks at his wife and he called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Listen, this is here in such an obscure place because it communicates the grace of God. Why? Well, Adam looks by faith and hope to the one that is going to be our hero. Listen, you might have been there where you totally blew it. You totally messed things up. And, and you need to realize that if that's the place where you are in your life, that God gives grace because you can't really mess up much more than Eve did. Like, this is serious stuff. It's hard to blow it more than this. God gives grace. This phrase is in such an obscure location because it communicates the grace of God. Adam looks by faith to the hope of our race, Jesus Christ. How is he going to come to save us? Through Eve, through the mother of all living. 
She was the vehicle by which God was going to bring the hero. And so Adam looks at his wife and he says, this is the mother of all living. This is the one that is going to bring forth that seed that is going to bruise the serpent's head. Right? And so, and so Adam is sitting here and he's looking at Eve and he sees that potential. You know, you might think that uh, your potential has been eclipsed by your sin, that I did this and therefore I'm behind, beyond hope, or I've sinned beyond whatever potential I used to have. Friends, it's never like that with God. Never! You don't ever sin beyond God's potential that he sees in you. Why? Because he looks at you and he says, I have paid for that from the seed that came from Eve. There is hope for you. There is grace for you. Turn away from your sin and turn to me. You don't ever get beyond God's grace. And Eve, right here, was not beyond God's grace. There was a seed that was going to come. You know, you might think that your ability to nurture has been tainted by your past. No. It's not over for you. It's not over for you. God gives grace. He can overcome your past. He can overcome your struggles. Your story is not over. Here's the key though. There was grace. There was help. There was hope. Not because Eve looked to herself but because Eve and Adam looked to God, because they looked ahead to that hero, Jesus Christ, that he is the only, he is the one that was to come that was to rescue them from their sin. He is the deliverer. He is the one that is the messenger of grace. It's no different for you and me. It's no different. I can't look to my wife for hope. I can't look to myself for hope. I have to look ahead to the one who is my true hero, Jesus. He is the one that's my hope. And so we can't look to ourselves. We can't look to our friends or our spouse. We must look to Jesus. He is our finished work. He he has finished the work and he has rescued us from our sins if we put our faith in him. So listen, here is is the whole thrust of this. Here is is the way that we work out the obscurity here. Is that God has uniquely gifted women to be mothers. And he gives this encouragement to us at a point where we really needed to hear it. It's not over for us. It's not over for you. God's not done with you. But he wants you to make use of all of the gifts that he's imbued you with for his glory. Ladies, you got potential. Real potential. God has gifted you with the ability to be nurturing in a way that no man could ever imagine to be. And God gives you grace to be the woman that he wants you to be. So trust him. Put your faith in him. Ask him to help you make use of all of yourself for his glory. Let's pray that to the Lord. God, I thank you for every lady here. I thank you for every lady that's represented here. The moms that brought these men forth. The grandmothers that brought those people forth. They hold a very special place. Thank you for women, for all that they are able to do for you, for all of their potential, for all of their nurturing ability, and especially for your grace on them. You give us grace, every man, because of the grace that you give to women, and we are very thankful for it. Lord, I pray that if there is one here that feels like they are beyond their potential, that 
that because of some struggle or some problem that there is nothing left in them, that they've been emptied out. Bring healing to them. Pray that you would encourage them. For those who feel as if their past keeps them from being nurturing, give them grace. Help them to be nurturing and loving for your glory. In the end, Lord, our only hope is you. We praise you that you give grace and encouragement even at the most obscure and different moments. Thank you that we can trust you. God, if there is one here that doesn't know you, I pray that you would work in their hearts and draw them to yourself, that you'd save them. Pray for moms that are struggling, that you would encourage them. Pray for homes that are struggling, that you would bring grace and help. We love you and we thank you so much for mothers, and we pray that you please bless each woman here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Happy Mother's Day.